I get asked this a lot. What I would look at is like all too often when, when somebody sets a goal, we set something that we know we can hit, right? Because deep down, we want to hit our goals. We want to look good. And so what I have found is that a goal could be a dream, okay? It could be underneath that banner. But what I have found is that when I use the vocabulary and the, and the terminology of dream, it allows somebody to be ungrounded, unrealistic. And I think that's really important in getting big movement. So if I'm talking about a goal, I'm probably going to get say something that's within reason. If I'm talking about a dream, well, a dream, hey, there's a lot of dreams that never come true. So I'm just going to throw these things out there. And I think that's so important is to just throw things out there that may seem outlandish. Because if at least I'm entertaining and engaging in a conversation about something that's that's over here that's really large... I'm probably, I've, I've seen this happen so many times. I have a dream that's on my list. I'm like, man, I don't know how that could ever happen. I do some simple Google searches and I'm like, that's actually way cheaper or more within reach than what I thought it was before. So I think just this, I've heard this from, I had the opportunity to take the front row dads through this exercise. And one of the guys, really successful guy, owns a tech company uh, in Texas. And his response was, you know what I realized for as much as I do at work, I'm so realistic. I feel like this is the first time I've had permission to think out of the box and think big. And it was really refreshing. And that's where I think dreams come in is they allow us to strip away our current situation and say, look, I'm not asking you to commit to these things. I'm just asking what would be cool at some point in your life if you got to do it. All right. Another mental purpose episode starts now. My guest today is Dane Espigard and Dane and I actually have a lot of friends in common and the close friends in common. It's really cool. And I'm surprised we never met each other. And you know, from that, we are going to be talking about dreams today. And you know, Dane's going to get into his story and his parents' divorce and you know, watching parents cohabitate and not really have like the best relationship. And um, I'm going to talk about marriage and partnership and the difference. And we're going to talk about his his run and his career with Cutco and what he learned about personal development from that versus the household and how that affected him and his relationship. And we're going to talk about teaching your kids about emotions and feeling and finding your tribe and and not being okay with saying that's just the way I am. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about like I talk about taking divorce off the table and going through and growing through a bad mindset and how it's limiting you and how you can lift it. We're going to talk about creating a dreams list, dream machine. We're going to talk about this bridge analogy about relationships. We're going to talk about how important spousal, spousal trust is, breakdowns in life, how do, you, how do you get through those, dreaming with your kids, and then we're going to talk about dreams versus goals. This is a really fun, really just everything is going to be wrapped around that dream piece. And if you are wondering what the difference is, you're going to find out between dreams and goals. And if you're wondering a structure to cast your dreams, especially with your spouse and your children, you're going to get it today. Okay. Just want to make sure you know what you're getting into. You're not wasting an hour. I'm that person. I'm, I'm the guy that says, Hey, I want to know that I'm not about to waste 45 minutes to an hour on some podcast. It's going to be worthless. We, our intention here is to make every one of them as valuable as possible. So I want to give you everything up front. That way, you know, you're making a good decision. And on this one, you definitely are. So look, real quick, before we jump, um, remember mentalandpurpose.net, 
is our new website. Check it out. There's free giveaways. There's all kinds of cool stuff. There's links to join our, our, our mental purpose community. And if you already haven't joined the community, go join it. It's an incredible community. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast and given us a review and a rating, please, if you would be so kind. And that's really it. That's really it. Mentalpurpose.net. And we've got some amazing masterminds that we've, that we've got going on and you can join literally anytime there. There's kind of free for all different stages of the mastermind too, from, you know, self-paced to you can work with me individually. And, and we've got retreats coming up at the end of the year. One is the first weekend of November. So far, we've got a couple of seats filled. We got a couple of seats open. It's going to be here in LA. And if that interests you in finding your vision, understanding your mission, dialing in who you need to become your most authentic self to find your purpose and get freaking rocking, get aligned and, and to understand how you can become an irreplaceable man and an irreplaceable husband, father, and business owner or leader. That is the person that joins our masterminds and our programs. And that is the person we're looking for to come to our retreats. All right, you ready? Here's the episode. Enjoy. All right, Dane, let's talk about dreams, man. Ready to go. Thanks for being here, by the way. And welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Excited to be here. Yeah, dude, we have so many connections <laughs> in common. And it's, uh, it reminds me that I need to have Seth on this podcast because Seth's been such a, uh, uh, Seth Daly, I'll give you a quick shout out. Oh, Seth's no. been such a, uh, integral mentor and role and, and just leader and person in my life that's helped me through challenges in my business and challenges in my personal life. And, um, just a, just a great friend and somebody that I need to I need to stay more in touch with. So that's my commitment, putting it out there to the airwaves. I'm now committed to reaching out to Seth and saying, Hey, today. I love it. Yeah. So dude, tell us about you. Just go back. I want the audience to always get a backstory. That's not just me reading your bio. I want to know the shit you've been through, the, the, the downs, the depths and how you got to become who you are today. You know, how you built this man. Cause there's no man who looks like he's got his stuff together is by accident, right? It's called mental purpose for a reason. And, and there's a formula that you have worked to get yourself to this place. So let's explore that. And then let's talk about all the cool stuff you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. I was uh, one of one of three kids at, at the time. And then as we got older, we had a, uh, my parents we, and, and family adopted a foster child. So there's, there's four of us now in terms of siblings, but Grew up in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and then we relocated uh, to just north of Milwaukee. So that's where I went to like middle school, high school, that kind of stuff. That, that's where I would say I was raised was, was more in, in uh, West Bend, Wisconsin. So um, mom stayed home. Dad was, uh, dad was in sales. And uh, so we traveled around a little bit with, with jobs for that. And I was, you know, I would say that I had a pretty average, like we'll call it upbringing. I played a lot of sports. I was in, um, you know, middle of the road types of schools, public school system, that type of thing. And um, uh, was my parents raised me on the whole idea of like, be busy, right? Not in terms of like, just do busy work, but I was always involved in activities, whether it was sports or academic stuff or band or whatever. So I feel like I grew up being used to, um, doing a lot. And I think that that served me, uh, to, to want to stay productive. Right. Um, 
did a lot of different stuff in high school. And I feel like, you know, what I, my first real job out of high school, a lot of people wouldn't call it a real job, but was selling Cutco knives. And I referenced that because I think that that had such a, uh, when people ask like, Hey, walk me through your maturation process or like, you know, the lessons that you learned, a lot of it came from Cutco. And the reason was, I, I feel like I had always been social. I'd always been entrepreneurial, but you didn't, I, you know, growing up, you don't really have much of a platform for that. I got started selling Cutco knives, doing in-home presentations. And it was like, all of a sudden I had the competition kind of box checked for me. I had the opportunity to yeah. practice communication skills, get rejected. And I also had the opportunity to be exposed to this whole world of personal growth. Um, and my parents maybe used that language growing up, but it wasn't like official on my radar until I started with Cutco. And I loved it. Like the idea of, you know, Tony Robbins messages or, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, uh, you referencing the whole, you know, rear view mirror approach of, of not being too focused, but gathering intel for your future, future moves. And, and so I feel like for, you know, that 18 to 22, when I was going to college, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. I had a, you know, did I learn anything in college? Uh, not anything like books wise. I was there for the social yeah. reasons. And so when I think about my education of 18 to 22, it's like most of it came from Cutco. Most of it came from my like real world experiences of interacting with customers, setting goals, not hitting them. Uh, my mismanagement of money. I was pretty poor at management, managing my, my cash as I was earning quite a bit as a college how long student. Did that, how long did that last, by the way? Oh, man. Uh, all the way until I was 27, 28. Okay. So, you know, I, I was, uh, I made a, a good amount even out of college and I just kept the same habits that I had in college. Yeah. Right. It, uh, it's yep. one of those, I, I could talk about that forever, but so, um, so that was really a lot of my education. And then, you know, when I think about a formidable thing that happened for me, my parents got divorced when I was 20, uh, what would I have been? 22, 23. And I remember when that happened, my initial thought, I was shocked. I was, you know, totally out of right field. I didn't see it come in. And, but I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm really glad that I'm 22, 23 and I'm out of the house because this yeah. isn't going to affect me. That's what I thought. I'm like, this isn't going to impact me. Um, whereas my sister was six years younger, she was still at home and, and my younger brother, even younger. I'm like, man, they're going to have some baggage. What I didn't realize is that the baggage was already built in. In other words, yeah. what I thought a healthy marriage was, was actually a loveless marriage, right? And so- I want you to go I into that for a little bit. And, and, yeah. and I wanna ask you real quick before we get too far, did you not see it or did you just turn your head to it? And, and I wanna be specific on that because there's a lot of guys that come to me for coaching and they have a very similar story and they thought, well, I grew up in an amazing household. And I'm like, okay, cool. How long have your parents been together? They're not together. Or well, how amazing was it? And they go, well, you know, actually, it was amazing because I had no context for any other relationship or what a relationship was supposed to look like. You know, I saw my, maybe you saw your friend's parents hugging and kissing and you're like, oh, that's, that's extraordinary. Like, that's mm -hmm. not real. Nobody does that. So did you just turn a blind eye to it? Or do you, I mean, hindsight, did you actually see that it wasn't a good fit wasn't a good it was that it was all that i knew and it wasn't toxic okay so they were they were cohabitating 
and, and I can think of maybe once or twice that I ever saw my parents kiss, but I also didn't see them fight. So it, there wasn't ever something that was wrong. My experience, you know, growing up, you're pretty egocentric, right? So my experiences of being parented, I was like, oh, I have great parents. And so if somebody said, how is your upbringing? It was great. So what I didn't recognize is what I had been being, what had been modeled to me my entire upbringing was a unaffectionate, not connected, not engaged marriage whatsoever. So I don't think I was, I wasn't willingly turning a blind eye. It was, well, this is just what I know. And I think they're good. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Um, I had friends that, you know, their parents fought. Mine didn't, um, at least publicly. And so when I found out they were getting a divorce, it was a total shock. Like, wait, what? Where's this coming from? And then as I found out more, it's like, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Right. But again, it was one of those that if they never got a divorce, I would have thought like, yeah, that was a great marriage. And I've had to, to work through some of that programming in me in my marriage. Right. In terms of, hey, I can't I can't be that that I saw. That's not that's not a marriage that somebody necessarily is going to feel love in. What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men of the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, just understanding how to put you first. We've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So, mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, man, I mean, it's that's so common. It's so common. And my wife and I talk about that all the time. And I say to her, you know, there's one element of the us in this relationship. And there's also the element of like the front facing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people worry about what the public thinks about them. I think about what my kids are seeing. Yes. And I, I look, I, I, I'm, everything can't be perfect. However, there are conversations that my wife and I have, which are, Hey, are, what are our kids actually seeing here? Like our affection has been low for the last three months. And our communication has been a little um, aggressive, not, you know what I mean? Like it's been a little yeah, heated yeah. or for the, the, you know, the, like the last, the last couple months have been like really chill. Are our kids getting too many mixed messages here? And so that's the, 
that's the conversations that we're having. And one of the things that we committed to was let's, let's teach our kids to communicate with their partner at the very yes. least. So whether, and, and by the way, I like to split things up from in, into partnership and marriage, right? Partnership and marriage is different because if you, if you get divorced and you have kids, your partnership still has to yeah. be great. You still have to yep. communicate effectively. And so I, I like to, we, we just said, okay, let's, let's show our kids great communication between two partners. And then we can get, we can really like dictate or show them what else we want as far as a good marriage. Yeah. Right now though, business partner, life partner, marriage, doesn't matter. The partnership is the foundation. And I think yep. it makes the marriage what it is. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I love that. You know, I, I think when it comes to this type of stuff, it's like, you know, step number one is just awareness, right? Like the fact that you're having a conversation about what are our kids seeing, I think is so important. For, for my wife and I, Brooklyn, we talk about how we want our kids to see us have conflict. And mm -hmm. because, because we are able to, we've learned how to work through conflict together. We're pretty good at, you know, I'm going to call it fighting. I, you know, I, I, conflict is a little bit cleaner word for it. But when we have arguments, it's not a, hey, hush, and we'll go talk about it somewhere else. Now, obviously, if it's not appropriate, that might be different. But if, if we have something that needs to be discussed and it's a tense, we will have that conversation with the kids in the room because we're able to get from a tense situation to a non-tense situation. And I think it's important for our kids to see we can disagree, we can argue, we can have conflict and still love each other. And I think that that's yeah. equipping our kids differently than maybe what I got to see. And oftentimes, that's and, a good and I'm point. sure you talk about this, the, the idea of, as a parent, sometimes we think that we're protecting our kids and by protecting, we're not exposing them to the reality of what's going to happen. I mean, dude, that's, that's perfectly said in all honesty, because there's, I was thinking about that the other day we were talking about, I was talking with a friend about schooling and I said, you know, I, um, my daughter goes to a really great school here in LA uh, that we were love. And it's just a little, it's a little pricey. It's a little expensive compared to what she was doing out in Baltimore that we yeah. felt was for the right thing for her, a nature-based Montessori-based yeah. preschool. And now she's in regular No, she, now she's in a nature-based, um, you know, whatever you call it, primary school. Yeah. And like could, where we live in LA, could she go to a public school? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you honestly that there is a mix between my feelings of how she's going to be best educated and my fears on her going through the shit that I went through. There is that mix. And I deal with that a lot where yeah. am I, am I giving her, like, am I trying to guard her or protect her from experiencing reality as she'll experience it in the real world? And, and the real world is just her interpretation of whatever she gets into, you know? And so uh, my wife and I talk about that a lot. And I'll say like my experience in school being a very ADD defiant oppositional kid was a nightmare, not only from the kid's perspective, it was from the teacher's perspective. I, I hated it. I didn't feel safe. I, I hated every minute, right? Even college and not every minute, most minutes. And I want to protect her from that because she's very similar to me yet. I also want to give her a great education. So like, where's the middle, you know? So I, I totally understand that from, yeah. from that perspective. 
And I, I mean, we talk about this too. Our girls, our oldest just turned six yesterday. And so we're going through similar stuff with schooling. It's like, I had, I had a really positive schooling experience. And that doesn't mean that I didn't have, I didn't have to work with some bullying that happened. I, I can vividly remember in like fourth and fifth sure. grade. And it's like, but that stuff was important because what did I learn? I learned, you know, how to work with different types of people, how to navigate that situation without an adult around. And I think that like, you know, it's, we want the best for our kids and there's this happy, there needs to be some sort of thought given to, okay, if I am going to send them to this school, what are they going to miss out on? And how can I maybe still give them some of that experience some other way? Yeah. And that, that conversation is, oh, it's in the extracurricular, mm-hmm. which are with, with, which are with just like the general public, like gen pop. Yep. yep. You know, it's, uh, like dance and gymnastics and karate and archery and uh, Chinese lessons and Spanish lessons and pull like all the different things yeah. are with are just with everybody. Yeah. So she's she's getting to learn that. Plus, you know, when we came here, I said she said to me, Dad, I'm 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 afraid to move. And what we've coached her on, my daughter's six and a half, is to be really open and vulnerable and o- open and honest with us. And when I, when we were going to move here, she said, I'm, I'm a little afraid to move. And I said, why is that? And she said, cause I don't think I'm going to make new friends. And I said, valid point. Let's test your theory. Let's go out for a month, which we did last March, 2021. And I said, if you, I'll put you in situations with my friends, kids, so it'll be a little more comfortable. And I'll put you in like public situations if you want. And we'll test your theory. If you make no friends at all, we 100% will not move. It's, 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 I'm, I, I want your opinion matters because my wife has some trauma around her parents is going, we're moving across the country, you know, no one and your opinion doesn't matter. See you later. So she came out here and like minute one at a playground, she had four people, four kids she was playing with, playing with, playing with. And you know, that, that evidence overtook the emotion that she was feeling that she wouldn't be able to meet anybody. So that actually put my mind to rest too. And that came from the conversations and the way that we raise her, which is to be open and to be honest and to share your feelings and emotions, which a lot of people don't do. They don't teach their kids that they're kind of taught to keep it down. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. And I mean, we have a whole conversation with that type of stuff as well, which is, you know, instead of a kid crying, Hey, stop crying. It's like, Hey, what are you feeling? Right. Why, Why are you crying? And it's okay to voice, a differing opinion or an emotion that maybe isn't acceptable to, to, to the people in the room. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's, that's right. I, I, we got way sidetracked and I don't even know where we <laughs> were before. So, um, like, and so after college Cutco, the money stuff, like kind of learning, yeah. um, the, 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 the defining moment, so to speak, was your parents getting divorced. So, how did that have a lasting effect on you as you progressed or progressed into adulthood? Um, you know, I don't know if it had an, uh, it wasn't as impactful right then necessarily. Right. But I feel like the lessons from it are greater and greater as I am more in my relationship now. Right. And more in, in my role as a father. And, And so, um, you know, I continually draw from that experience. Um, I, so I would say that experience mattered. I would also say the, uh, 
how I was exposed to personal growth with Cutco made a difference. And a lot of that led to me finding Front Row Dads, which we talked about before we started, rec- yeah, before yeah. We started recording. And man, I found my tribe with that. And what I love about it is it's not hard for me to find guys or, or whoever to talk shop about money or to talk about how to grow your business and all of that. It is difficult to find a group of people who want to have a conversation about our shortcomings as men and fathers and husbands sure. and, and intimacy with my wife. And, and, and what I love about Front Row Dads is it's individuals that are entrepreneurial, but the conversation isn't that. And if we are talking about work, it's specifically from the place of how do I work less so I can be with my kids and my, yeah. my, my spouse more. And so I'd say having the experience of my parents getting a divorce and me finding Front Row Dads has really kind of created this space for me to be able to be very aware of the baggage that I've had or trauma or whatever you want to call it, to be able to work yeah. through. Um, when, when my wife and I got together, we were dating, you know, we didn't see it eye to eye and everything. And I very often would be like, that's just the way I am. And what was interesting is she called me on that BS at one point. She's like, how do you talk about growth all the time at work? And then your response over here is it's just the way I am. And I, and when she said that, I was like, Hmm, you're absolutely right. And so, uh, it, I brought that as I joined front row dads to like, you know, who I am right now is not who I necessarily hope to be in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. It's just who I am right now. And so that's, that's really allowed yeah. me to kind of adopt the whole, I'm a work in progress mentality. And that, I think that's really served our marriage and, and also me, you know, in fatherhood. How long have you been married? We've been married for, uh, this Halloween will be eight years. Nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting how I've, I've heard some uh, ex-mentors of mine who they, they I, I caught it like audio ma- not matching the video. And they would talk this good game. And, and, and honestly, the, 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 some companies that I've worked with in the past, they kind of preach this, not practice it as much as possible. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying select people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Seth was one of those people that showed me how audio matches video and how yeah. nothing's going to be perfect. You just have to, you just have to keep evolving yourself. Right. And I, I've, yeah. I've created this whole entire universe and movement around the evolution of the man to become the best husband, father, and business owner that they possibly can with mental purpose and, and irreplaceable man. And so it's just, it's interesting that you had that same thing. I had that same thing too. Like outside in my business world, man, I'm doing personal development, working my ass off, yet back in my relationship, there's something different about my relationship. I don't need to be the the developed guy. Like I, I, my wife was stable and steady and she was safe. And we've had subsequent conversations, even as of late, where I've said to her, I need you to, I need you to hold me more accountable. I need you to push me more. I need you to hold me to what I say I'm going to do because you, you sometimes you just don't push and that's not your issue. Like, I just know that you're not going to give me shit if I break my integrity with you and with Mm -hmm. me versus our clients. And so it was a, it was a risk reward thing, right? So our clients are paying us 
So you yes. don't want to break your commitment with them. Yes. Yet the person that's sitting at home with you has a ring and a legally binding document that says you're married. Again, marriage is much, that's pretty much it. It's made up of the partnership between the two of you. And I mean, where's she going to go? And that's a shit mindset to have. However, I, for a long time, I, I, I ran it from a place of clients are paying me. The, the risk is huge. I'm already married. The risk is not that big. Right. And it's a shit mentality. Totally admit it. Total crap mentality. And that's, that's something that I had to grow through. Same as you. We've gone, through, we've gone through that conversation. And one of the things that we committed to each other early on in the marriage was we don't want to stay in a marriage where we don't feel is, is moving forward. So this is going to sound weird, but it's like I have a mentality in work. Everybody's temporary, right? In other words, everybody at work is going to leave at some point, right? Like they should leave at some point in terms of work. And so if I'm approaching, though, a work person, somebody on my team as, hey, I'm constantly courting this person because I want them to stay here. And we took that and we apply that to our marriage where it's, mm-hmm. look, what's the divorce rate in the, in the U.S. is over 50 percent. Odds are yeah. we're actually probably not going to make it. And so yeah. we approach it from I, I should always be courting. She should always be courting me. Because we want to be in a relationship that's exciting. Now, you know, you said your your wife, you know, she's not typically going to voice or, you know, vocalize necessarily or call you on your shit, right? I would say I'm, you know, it's a blessing and sometimes a curse. My wife is, man, if she doesn't feel love for like two weeks, metaphorically speaking, she'll flip the house up. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's times. <laughs> that's probably I, a good thing. Well, that's what I was going to say is there's times that I'm like, I get bothered by it because I'm like, it's just been a busy month, right? And logically, that makes sense. Like, look, I was traveling. It was a busy month with work, totally. whatever. We're together forever. But that's not satisfactory for her. And so what's been great with that is it's led to a lot of, quote unquote, arguments or tense moments. But what I love about it is it never builds up to be so much that we can't come back from. And I, you know, we yeah. have friends that are in, everybody does have friends that are in not great situations in their marriage right now. And what I see happen in those is like the shit gets stacked so high that we're not talking yeah. about one situation. There's like when, when we're in an argument, we're talking about 10 years of situations. And I feel yeah, like with my up. wife and I, we clean that laundry more regularly because of yeah. her intolerance. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so it, it kind of forces us to get back to that, that better spot. You know, something that my wife and I talk about is, um, is stress testing the relationship. And we do a, in the, in the mental purpose, uh, community, uh, plug to join the mental purpose community. If you already have an audience <laughs> go on Facebook, um, inside the mental purpose community, every couple of weeks, we, uh, our community manager, Steve does an interview with a couple. Um, and we've done a couple so far and it's really awesome. And, and obviously when this comes out, we will have done a lot more. And one thing that people ask us is how do you guys not explode? And I say, look, we stress test our relationship daily. That means we're, we're talking about things that are not that comfortable. We're asking each other questions that are not that enjoyable sometimes. And, and I have this bridge analogy where we, we basically, we, 
if you were walking across a bike bridge, right, made of wood, for anybody from mm -hmm. the East Coast, like if you drive down Route 50 to the ocean, you can see a, bi a bike bridge. It's made by six, six by sixes and railings, and it's great. And when you're walking it or biking across it, unless there's a gang of bicyclists, there's no issues. And you check it once a year, once every other year, right? Check up underneath of it, right? You stress, stress test, don't worry about it. Replace a nail or a screw here and there, a warped board. That's it. Very minimal maintenance. Now, the moment you start driving a car across it, the car will be held by it. No problem. There is so much more flex in that wood that you got to check it way more often, right? The moment that a bunch of cars start driving it, you have to be really on that thing every day because it's not meant for that. The moment that mm -hmm. a train hits it and you haven't checked this thing, it will disintegrate that bridge and it's not repairable. And that's when divorce happens. And I honestly don't think that divorce is a reality if both parties actually are willing to do the work on themselves. Yeah. Forget about the marriage. Yep. We've already discussed. It's not a real thing, right? Yep. Uh, but people say, well, how do you stress test? You don't look at the outside of the bridge and go, looks pretty good. You don't wait till a car drives over it and go, looks pretty good. You get down underneath into the weeds, into the dark shit, get your flashlight on, get in where it's scary. There may be snakes that you don't want to go, but you, you, you have to keep people safe walking on that bridge and driving on that bridge. And you got to check the girders and the, the supports that are in the inside. And you got to check the nails up on the inside, right? Or the welds, whatever you, whatever you made it out of. It doesn't matter. Use your own analogy for a bridge. Because the moment that something heavy hits that bridge or there's too much pressure like you're talking about, it's disintegrated. And you will be picking up pieces for years. And you can go to marriage counseling and you go, okay, so what's the problem? And you go, well, let's start with 12 yeah. years ago. And you're right. like, holy shit, how are you going to work through that? How do you actually work through that? And you can't. You can't when both parties want to be right. Yeah. And if both parties want to be right and make the other wrong, you're never going to do it. And then the divorce rate, you're a statistic. Yeah. And, and, yep. and by the way, one of the things that um, we tell people, and I do, I do not have a great marriage, a great partnership. My marriage is always in, in, in work. It's under construction, yeah, right? Uh, and I don't mean it's not great. I mean, it's always being worked on. It's never, it's, we're not coasting it. It's just always right. being worked on is we took divorce off the table. Divorce was not an option. So if divorce or an out is not an option, you have to do the work. And you got to do the work on yourself. That's the that's it. It's not the let's go to marriage counseling and find out how to communicate with each other. It's right. do you actually love and trust yourself enough to communicate your shit to somebody else? Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Work on that. Yep. You know, would you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. you know, it's, it's impossible to think that you're going to land with a partner and both of you are going to grow in the exact same direction at this exact same speed yeah. throughout your entire life. Right. Cause we find each other in what our twenties and teens and thirties. And it's like, there's so much life after that. Yep. So, you know, I know my wife is on a different path in terms of growth. She's into different things than the growth that I experience. But I think as long as we are both engaged in the process of that, that's the key. I've also found for us, you know, if our intimacy isn't right, man, every issue is a bigger issue. If our hmm. intimacy is right. Are you talking right, about sex in general or you're just talking about being intimate at all? Um, both, but with us specifically sexual intimacy. If, if that's okay. not, if it's not there in the way that 
it is when we're doing well. It's, it's like that is almost the if we have not been uh, good in that area, I know that there's something coming. Like there's going to be maybe a smaller issue that's <laughs> going to be a bigger issue. If we're good here, yeah, we yeah. can handle it's the stress test for us is almost that. And so we actually got once we identified that we've been getting, you know, having a, ther- a therapist, a coach that specializes in just intimacy of couples. And yeah. that's that is the area that we get our coaching. And that what has been amazing is that individuals helped us to communicate around that topic. And if we can communicate around that topic, we know for us, every relationship's different, but we know for us, if that piece is going great, we're going to work through everything else perfect, you know, not perfectly, but in a, in a better manner. Yeah. Yeah. More, more, um, uh, oh my God, I just blanked on the word. <laughs> I just blanked on the word. Anyway, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> a more efficient manner, a more efficient yes. manner. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. More efficient manner. That makes sense. So talk to me about what you do in terms of the dream machine and let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's wrap it around families. Cool. So, um, it, it, so, so the book that I wrote dream machine is centered towards businesses and it started in my relationship as a method for business. So in other words, I was starting a new team from scratch in 2012 and, and I was like, what, what culture do I want in my organization? I want one that's centered around people achieving their dreams. That sounds cool. It sounds fun. So I knew as a leader, if I wanted it to like really take root in my organization, I had to do it personally. So then I went to my you know, then girlfriend, now wife, and said, hey, we're going to do this dreams thing. So that's actually how it started in our relationship. Uh, it was more like a means to, to get it done for business, but, but, uh, it's, it's been awesome for our relationship and then also with our kids too. But essentially the premise is creating a dreams list, which it's not quite a bucket list. There's nine categories that we go through. So it's everything from travel to adventure to, you know, mental and physical health to relationships, to financial, to creative, to legacy. So there's nine different categories that we go through. And the idea is to come up with as many things. You don't have to commit to say, I for sure want to do that or experience that. But if it sounds cool and would bring you joy and excitement and liven you up at some point in your life, write it down. So I take people through these workshops all the time. People get 200, 300 on there. If they go through it a few times, they get 500. I've got people on my work team that have a thousand dreams on their list. So I think when people hear dream, they think, dream house, dream trip, like big things, but there's small things on there. There's like, Hey, you know what I've never done. I've never done karaoke in front of people. And I think that would, you know, be a cool thing. So it could be something as small as that. A friend of mine, a colleague of mine just did stand up comedy for the first time ever in LA. And that was on his list. And he finally took action on it. Right. So they could be small, they could be big, but so we make these lists. And then we use these to do our annual planning. So my wife has a list. I have a list. They're not the same, right? We don't have a family dreams list. It's if we did, it'd just be a combination of, of each. And so at the end of the year, my wife and I have been doing this really cool, like you could call it year end planning, whatever. But the process that we go through, and we've been doing this since end of 2012, is that we'll go through a year end review. And what we do is we'll We'll go somewhere cool, an art museum, a cool, you know, place that we can sit at for four or five hours. And we'll go through our Google calendar and we'll go through our camera roll. And the purpose of doing that, because so many photos kind of like live and die on your phone, right? 
And sure. what we're looking through is we're going through the whole year, January through December, and we're pulling out all the highlights and reliving those. Like, oh, that was awesome. That random hike that we took on a Saturday, that was cool. And we're writing down the highlights. Oh, I remember when we got to hang out with the, with the you know, uh, whatever couple, the Romans, like that was really cool. Let's write that down. This one trip was cool. So it puts us in a great place. It allows us to feel like, you know, very, very positive about where our year was. And then we get right into our dreams list that we already have created. And we say, what do we want to accomplish or experience or be this next year? So I look through my list, she looks through her list, and then we spend time planning our next year in advance. And so my wife will have ones on hers that, hey, I really want, we've been talking about this, but I really want to visit blank this year. Cool. Let's, let's see where we can put that. Um, and, and our dreams are very different. She's really into horses. I'm not, there's a lot of things that, that have to do with that, that are on the list. Sure. Um, and it gets us, it gets us on the same page to be able to support. And the, the one story I'll share with this that, that I think has really elevated our relationship and understanding each other. I love sports. There's a ton of sports ones on my list. One of the ones on my list was see the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA championship. Okay. So two years ago, or 20, what was that? 2021, Bucks make the NBA finals. And uh, my buddy happens to have tickets. Game six is in Milwaukee. It's a middle of the week. My book is coming out in like a month and a half. We are so stressed. And my wife goes, are you going to go to the game? And I'm in Minneapolis. The game's in Milwaukee. And I said, I don't think I should. All the reasons, the ticket price, the you name it. And she goes, well, why wouldn't you? And I gave her all the reasons. She goes, is it on your dreams list? And I said, yeah. And she goes, are they going to make it next year? And I said, well, I mean, I wish I knew the answer to that. She goes, you need to go. And so I spent the money. I went. And what was so great about it, I'm sure guys can, can relate to this. I wasn't just there. I've been at plenty of sporting events or hanging with the guys where what's on my mind is guilt. I left my wife at home. She's pissed. She's with the kids. She's whatever. I'm spending money, right? All of that. I was there experiencing a life event. They won the game, which was awesome. I got to go on the court after the game. But I was there with zero guilt knowing that when I got home, my wife wasn't going to be like silent treatment or whatever. She was really actually excited because I was checking something off my dreams list. And so we've been able to support each other in a way that we weren't able to do before doing something like this. Dude, that's so cool. Now I need a copy of this book. You know, what's interesting is, um, what's that? I said, I'm giving away for free, like a PDF version. If somebody just goes to my website. Yeah. If you just go to daneespegard.com forward slash free gift, you can get a free PDF. Love it, man. I'm going to, I'll make sure that's, uh, make sure that's in the show notes. So what we're talking about here, cause look, I, I, as we've morphed the men on purpose world, men on purpose being like the big brand and, and then yep. the, the brand inside of it is the irreplaceable man because so many of the men that I work with or have dealt with or myself was at a point in my marriage, in my fatherhood, in my business where I was terrified of being replaced. And it wasn't like an irrational fear, like, oh, I'll just get over it. It was, you're in danger of being replaced because you aren't a guy that is irreplaceable. You are replaceable. 
as who you are right now. And a lot of the things that these guys are dealing with are the unsatisfied wife, the mm-hmm. kind of ships passing in the night. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, one, one, one person's a transporter for the kitties and, and one person's just filling a bank account. And then that snowball is so small as it starts, you know, rolling one year, one, two, three, especially when kids come along. Yep. That it's like you stay at the office longer and you do all these things. And then you get to a place where, like you said in the beginning, there's no depth to the relationship, right? And so having something like this where both of you are are casting visions and understanding what each other wants in life, not only are you communicating uh, and getting it out of you and, and, and expressing yourself and being vulnerable, by the way, because talking about your dreams is still very vulnerable. Because yeah. somebody might go, you're an idiot. That'll never happen. And there's yeah. always a, a risk for that. It also does what you just said, which is it puts you on the same page that you don't you don't have to be the replaceable friend who doesn't show up to shit, right? Think about that, guys. You are replaceable in every single area until you're not, even as a dad. Because when your kids find that extracurricular activity, start drinking early, hanging out with that bad crowd, acting up in school, they're replacing you because you're not showing up. And that's the thing that this is, is, is countering, which is, and I want to talk to you about with the kids is now my wife and I are on the same page and she knows that I'm going out to celebrate something that means something to me. And I'm going to celebrate her to go out and means and celebrate something that means something to her. Now we're on a different level. Now a train could hit our bridge. It might bend it, might crack a couple boards here and there. And we can go, Hey, Hey, chill. Everything's good. Let's take a step back. Let's analyze the damage. Let's fix it up together. Let's get back on right now. We know when trains hit, we can reinforce the bridge. And that's, that's a, that's a great place to be. I've had, have you ever had something really catastrophic happen in your relationship and be like really grateful that you have the type of relationship you have? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been kind of getting punched in the face this summer with travel stuff. I wouldn't say it's catastrophic, but some really difficult things. Every time we try and leave town, I had like my identity stolen a couple of weeks ago. And then after that, our Ford expedition broke down while camping 16 hours away. Uh, yeah, it's, we've had, we've had a bunch of tough ones. Um, and then some financial things that happened a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, we've had, we've definitely had our, you know, I hate to compare problems with others, but like for us have, have felt significant. Luckily we have had everybody healthy, you know, so that that's knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Your problems are your problems though. You know, yeah. and, and the financial piece, how did you guys deal with that? Was it pretty, was it like a, a like a shock blow type of financial? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I, uh, I got involved in a bad investment, um, AKA mm-hmm. Ponzi and I had to have been oh, the last nice. investor. So I'll give you, it, let me just say it was, it was <laughs> six, it was, I was feeling flush with cash. I was feeling good. I was like, babe, I'm going to do this. It's great. And a friend of mine had been involved in this investment. So they lost a ton, but they had been yeah. getting returns, right? So it right. seemed legitimate. I had to have been their last sucker to wire money over. But I uh, I wired over $100,000 in. And all of a sudden, one month later, I find out that everything for that company was seized by the SEC. And it was Jeez, shut down. Man. And I was just, it was gone. Yeah. Never to be recovered. So... Uh, it's still in courts years later, but there's no money to like, it's all gone. 
no um no and and i found out the news on it was like december 19th i had a manager event that night at my house for christmas and the next day my whole family extended family was coming in from out of town to host for christmas Jeez. and and i had to go home and say hey honey i need to tell you something quick before my family gets here and uh yeah that was that was tough how'd she take it she was she was amazing she's like love it. are we devastated like are we able to pay her i'm like yeah we can still pay her bills but you know it's a lot of money and uh money. and she said okay um oh and the worst part is i got my father-in-law involved too i said he likes to invest oh, what i invest in so i was like do you want to yeah. do this he's like dude 50 you know we own mobile home parks and stuff together and so he also got involved i had to call him and tell him um, oh. and he handled it well also like you know hey we we should have done more due diligence and um but no, I mean, what's interesting is like when it happened, I knew <clears throat> that this could be something that could cripple me in terms of investing long-term, or I could use this yep. as a lesson. So <clears throat> we had been shopping for a duplex in the Twin Cities to do Airbnb with. And so three weeks after that happened, we bought a duplex. Um, hmm. And that was really important to me to like still pull the trigger, even though my situation was totally different you know, than it was when I started shopping. I was like, I got to do this and I need to get yeah. like, not I need, but I felt like it was important for me to put it behind me as fast as I can. And my wife was basically just like, I trust that you can provide. And, and uh, there was no doubt, which, which I mean, I can't imagine from her perspective of just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what the conversation was. How do you feel about it? What do you need from me? And I, I felt totally supported in that. You know, um, I had something like that happen in 2019 and, um, I was, it was a lot more money and it wasn't my money. I had a couple hundred thousand in and my parents had some money in and some friends had some money in and, and I had a business partner that just rolled with the entire operating account, uh, the draw fund money, which was, which was the hard money lenders money and belonged really to the contractors for the rehabs that they were doing. And when I found out that uh, all of it was gone, it was high six figures and realized that the total nut owed was over 2 million. I was like, Oh my God, I'm, this is on me. Like I didn't do anything wrong. I just, Oh my God, what do I do here? And so I went into a full panic and, you know, had a, had a couple shots of vodka and, uh, bought a pack of smokes and just sat out on my back porch, like processing, what do I do with this? Yeah. And my wife came out and she's pregnant with our son at the time. And she said, uh, what's going on? And I said, um, I just got back from the bank and, uh, and she could see I'd been crying. Like I was really upset. And, and I said, uh, the account is empty and our partner stole it and it's my fault. She goes, how? And I said, because I, I knew I shouldn't have trusted him. And I, and I knew, I knew I should have watched the money closer and more frequently. And like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she just looked at me and she said, I trust that you'll figure this out. And I said, I will get it figured out. Everything will be okay. And she goes, I trust you on it and walked inside. And dude, I like lost it emotionally because I thought, wow, Somebody trusts me that much. I don't yeah. trust me that much right now. Yeah. Somebody, especially her, 
trust me that much. And maybe she was just like in her weakness. Like she just was like, okay, you handle it. That just meant so much to me. Like if my, if, if that had been another woman with a scarcity mindset who'd been like, are you out of your fucking mind? We're going to fall well and flipped out on me. I think I would have hit the road and just kept driving West. Like, I think I would have done something stupid and emotionally charged. So the, the, the trust of my spouse was absolutely irreplaceable, absolutely mm-hmm. irreplaceable and helped me become the Like literally we were, we, we had said, okay, you know what? It's the universe telling us let's go to California in 2020. Obviously we know what happened. And it forced me into becoming the man and the coach I am today, that situation. So when my lawyers, my dad, they all advised me, don't go after this guy. You'll just be spending money for years. He, he declared bankruptcy. He doesn't have anything. He spent it all. You're just wasting your time. I listened to them and I just moved on. And everybody else came to me with their hand out. And I said, guys, I, I'm going to try and get everybody paid back here. I, I don't know what else to do. I, it's a lot of money. So I liquidated and we did all this stuff. But like the most important piece there was, look, investments aren't guaranteed, one. And two, yeah. the way that my wife trusted me when I didn't trust me was invaluable. Yep. Yep. Yeah. My, yep. Mine uh, was December 2021, or excuse me, December 2019, right before the pandemic as well. So similar, similar time. Yeah, that was my birthday, by the way, December 19th. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. I hope you had a, you Crazy, had a better right? day than I did. <laughs> I did, man. I, I, I rented a plane and went flying around Baltimore and, and, you know, just, awesome. just had a good time. Yep. Not yeah. rented up, not like a jet, like a just little Cessna plane yeah. anyway. Um, so wh- how can we, how can we incorporate the dream stuff with, with kids? Like kids are natural dreamers anyway. Yes. How, yes. how are we helping kids get alignment with their dreams? Yep. I think, I think, man, dreaming with your kids is one of the most important things you can do. And, and you said it, like they do it. It's innate, right? We, we, we all can remember dreaming of, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. And then there reaches a certain age where unfortunately society slash parents slash schools tell kids like, ah, oh, you know, you need to be realistic. And it's like, well, you know, sure that can service, but that comes back to that whole protection thing, Ian, that we talked about before of like, well, I'm telling my kid to be realistic because I want to protect them. It's like, well, protect them from what? Failing, messing up, you know, shortcomings, whatever. It's like, no. So what I feel very strongly in is we want to do a couple things for our kids when it comes to modeling. Uh, we want to talk about ourselves, my wife and I, living our dreams out loud. We want our kids, our girls, we have two girls. We want our girls hearing us talking about us going after our dreams. Anything is possible. My wife just recently, she's in love with horses and just said, you know what? I think I want to go back to school to be an equine vet. And I said, you know what? Knowing what her dreams list is, I'm like, that actually makes total sense. I support it. So my wife is back enrolled in college. I think this is her first week back in. And and my girls are watching this and we're vocalizing it. At the same time, I'm talking to my kids about their dreams list. Now they're six and four. So my four-year-old's list is just the exact same as my six-year-old, right? She just copies everything. My six-year-old's list is own every animal that's around, even unicorns, uh, you know, and then she wants to travel, which is cool. She's been able to travel a lot of places with us, but I'm just excited. Their lists aren't very developed at this point, but what I love is that we're having and engaging in that conversation around the vocabulary of dreams. And what I've experienced from teaching people on my team, 
how to go after their dreams. We're teaching them problem solving in an abundance mindset. Hey, this is something you want to do? Figure it out. How can, how can we do it? And naturally, you have to have an abundance mindset and you have to have a personal development mindset. Hey, I'm not equipped to be able to do this one thing that's on my list right now in present form. So I need to increase my abilities. I need to increase my earning, whatever, something to be able to go after that dream. And so there's built underneath this whole dreams culture thing. There are all these tenants that we're really excited about for our kids. Yeah. And then like, as we wrap up here, I, there's a, there's a big difference between dreams and goals. And I think that people, they, they bridge the two together. Um, a lot of times when I take people through one of our visioning exercises and understanding the vision for your life and what's possible for yourself in the world through you and what mission are you actually on? Because that actually gets them clarity on direction and and speed and what to do and how to do it and when to do it and who they need to be. And there's a lot of stuff that our, our, we call it our, our, a VMP exercise. Our VMP exercise is a foundational piece. And people will say to me, they'll mix dreams and goals. And so give us a, give us a breakdown of what the difference is, if there is one between dreams and goals. Yeah, I think, you know, I get asked this a lot. What I would look at is like, all too often when, when somebody sets a goal, we set something that we know we can hit. Right. Because deep down, we want to hit our goals. We want to look good. And so what I have found is that a goal could be a dream. OK, it could be underneath that banner. But what I have found is that when I use the vocabulary and in the, in the terminology of dream, it allows somebody to be ungrounded, unrealistic. And I think that's really important in getting big movement. So if I'm talking about a goal, I'm probably going to get say something that's within reason. If I'm talking about a dream, well, a dream, hey, there's a lot of dreams that never come true. So I'm just going to throw these things out there. And I think that's so important is to just throw things out there that may seem outlandish because if at least I'm entertaining and engaging in a conversation about something that's that's over here that's really large, I'm probably I've, – I've seen this happen so many times. I have a dream that's on my list. I'm like, man, I don't know how that could ever happen. I do some simple Google searches and I'm like, that's actually way cheaper or – more within reach than what I thought it was before. So I think just this, I've heard this from, I had the opportunity to take the front row dads through this exercise. And one of the guys, really successful guy, owns a tech company uh, in Texas. And his response was, you know what I realized? For as much as I do at work, I'm so realistic. I feel like this is the first time I've had permission to think out of the box and think big. And it was really refreshing. And that's where I think dreams come in is they allow us to strip away our current situation and say, look, I'm not asking you to commit to these things. I'm just asking what would be cool at some point in your life if you got to do it. Right. And, and yeah, by, by even voicing those, I believe, you know, that it's more likely for those things to happen. We're going to bring it into our universe a little bit, a little bit more frequently. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. There's, um, there's a lot of people out there that assume that because someone's successful, that everything they want in life has come to. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many people that are successful that I've found who come to me and say, man, can you help me break this cycle of just making money? Because I actually want to start living my life and I am unable to give myself permission to, or I'm unable to share yeah. with my wife that I have a dream of opening a, you know, a, 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 a pig sanctuary and, 
Papua New Guinea or whatever, you know, something like that, you know, and I'm, I'm terrified to do it. And what they're, they're living is this life that's completely out of alignment with who they really want to be. And they've been taught, bred, programmed, whatever you want to call it to follow this line. And, and some people follow the line and they go nowhere. And some people follow the line and they get to be a billionaire. And the reason why you have a lot of billionaire suicides and billionaires who are massively depressed is because they haven't figured out how to actually live their authentic life as their authentic self. And so I think what you're doing is super, super cool. I mean, you know, this is designed for cultures that at work. However, the culture at home may be more important than the culture at work. And by the way, if your culture at work is more important than the one at home, you probably need to turn around and look at the one at home because yeah. your culture at work shouldn't be more important. Yep. Sh the work family shouldn't be a family that you look forward to. And then you just kind of come home. It's time to just time to stop, slow down and, and look at your family and say, one, is this really what I want? Because if it is, then put both feet in and get to work. And if it's not, then start making moves to move it out. Because just like you said, Dane, in the beginning, you're going to teach your kids about a, a relationship or a marriage or a, a partnership that, that isn't based in a reality that you want for them. Yeah. And it's going to be toxic and it's going to be harder. And so this is cool. And this is really cool. I think, I think this is going to help people's lives at home with communication and sharing and just getting things out. Like I, you know, I, I want to be a professional philanthropist. And that never was something that I'd even known about or, or existed inside of me. And it, it came, it was inside of me. It just, it came out as I removed more pieces that yeah. weren't me that were programming. And so I have this dream by my 45th birthday, which is in five years that I will be a professional philanthropist, just awesome. traveling the world and, and just helping people. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Through education and financial resources, I'll be helping the world free themselves of internal and external restriction and constraint. That's the dream. I love how clear you are on yeah. it. That's great. Yeah, oh, dude. So clear. If I'm, if I'm coaching guys, high level guys on how to cast their vision and mission and understand their purpose, I I'm, I'm dead clear on mine. So, you know, when I'm and by the way, that's for my own sanity too. When I'm out doing something in the world, I think the old me, and you might agree, would be like, man, is this really for me? Is this something that I really wanted? Or, or I would do something that I thought I was so excited about and I got into it and I went, oh, you know, this actually isn't what I wanted. I, I, I was excited because I think other people made me excited. And I wanted to do something and cast this vision for me that made me excited. And to be very clear to know that you know, when I'm in a, a, a developing nation or I'm downtown LA and I'm giving money to homeless people, like that's me in alignment with my dream and my purpose in life, which is to help give somebody an option or an opportunity in that moment that I'm with them. Love that. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. So dude, I love what you're doing, man. I love what you're doing. I love the crowd you're hanging with. It's awesome. And uh, um, thanks for being here. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah it's been my pleasure. And it, it is awesome to, to find, you know, we haven't, it's not like we talked much prior to this, to, but to be able to see all the similarities and how our, how our worlds are basically on top of each other is pretty cool. That is cool, man. So give, it's, uh, uh, give, me your, give your website again for that free gift. Yeah, 
So it's just my name, Dane, D-A-N-E, Espigard, E-S-P-E-G-A-R-D. So daneespigard.com. And then for the free gift, the book is just forward slash free gift. Awesome. I love it, man. So um, thanks again for being here. And and uh, I think we should, I think we should, I'm just going to put it out there to the universe. I think we should collaborate on something for uh, my world, this mental purpose world and get, get guys really dream casting, right? They're, 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 they're quantifying their mission and their vision. They're understanding how they're going after this and what it looks like. And so I, I think just to have that brought back into the family would be really cool. So audience stay tuned. Dane and I are going to co we're going to, going to collab on something. I'd love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be enjoyable. All right, man. Um, audience, uh, appreciate you listening. Remember, be on purpose, become irreplaceable. We got you. Remember our Facebook community, the Mental Purpose community. Remember our free giveaways at mentalpurpose.net. And if you need anything, reach out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.